This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. My friends, welcome today to the talk on the Mashiach. We are in number three, part three of this talk. And it doesn't matter, it's a standalone class. If you weren't able to attend the other, the other two, this is a standalone class. So we are discussing the Mashiach. And we know that two of the most fundamental tenets of the Jewish faith, as listed by Rambam among the 13 principles of faith, of the faith in number one is the ultimate redemption, which is what we're talking about, the ultimate redemption, the Mashiach is coming. And also there's a faith that we believe in that, that the dead will be resurrected. That's going to be a little bit spooky. If you stand by the cemetery, you'll see all the dead people arise and uh, coming out of the graves. But the rabbis say they won't come out of the graves outside Israel. They'll have to move to Israel underground and come out of their graves <laughs> It's going to be a sight, really, a, a sight to witness, a sight, an amazing sight. Uh, the preamble to that is mentioned in the book of Ezekiel. It's called the vision of the dry bones, where the prophet Ezekiel sees a vision of all these human bones in a valley, the valley of Dura. And Hashem asks Ezekiel, the prophet, he says, do you think these bones can live? And Yechezkel, Ezekiel says, if you will it, Hashem, that's a good answer. That's a great answer. Hashem, if you will them to live, they will live. In other words, it's all in your hands of God. And you can do whatever you want. Everything's in your hands. And Hashem says, watch. And he watches as all these bones come together and they form different bodies. And then he sees the ligaments attaching to the bones and then the bones are attached with the skin and the whole body is resurrected in front of his very eyes. It makes really important reading in the book of Ezekiel, there's the Valley of Dura and the sight, the vision of the dry bones, amazing. But the rabbis say this will eventually happen. And hopefully nowadays we will see this, we say every day in our Shemona Esrei, three times a day, Baruch Atah Hashem, Mechayeh HaMetim, blessed are you Hashem, who revives the dead. And we see this in front of our very eyes. You know, it's interesting, the Gemara brings down a story of the famous Cleopatra. Cleopatra asked, I think Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva, would I come back? When I come back resurrected, would I be wearing clothes? What clothes will I be wearing? That's what she was concerned about. Will I be wearing clothes or not? And Rabbi Kiva says a brilliant response. He said, listen, when you plant a wheat seed into the ground, a wheat germ into the ground, the wheat comes out fully clothed, comes out with the husks, comes out with shells. So you plant it naked and it comes out fully clothed. Same thing applies to all seeds. You put them in the ground naked and they come out with fruits around them fully clothed. So two human beings put them in the ground. You pop them in the ground. And it's interesting, in Jewish law, it's not really a burial. It's more planting. We plant our dead because we believe in resurrection. It's, the ground is only, it's only leasehold. It's not freehold. Cemetery is not freehold. It's leasehold. That's for most people. Anyway, Hopefully we'll be among those who will be resurrected and will be, hopefully we won't have to be resurrected. We'll be here already. And we'll see the Mashiach with our own eyes. And that's our topic today. So two of the, of the famous 30 principles of faith, the Rambam is number one, is I believe with perfect faith in the coming of the Mashiach, of the Messiah. So the Messiah is the anointed one, a descendant of King David who was anointed Messiah. And we believe in that perfect faith. And even though he, he's uh, late, we will wait for him. My mom says we will wait for him and we're still waiting. Uh, we're waiting faithfully, waiting for this day to come. And number two is we believe in the resurrection of the dead. It's one of the fundamental beliefs of Judaism. 
Okay, those are the two beliefs I'm going to talk about. So the question is, why is this such a big fundamental? Why do we wait for Mashiach? What's so important about waiting for Mashiach? So the Talmud says that time, delicacies will be commonplace like dirt. All the nations will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. This is tremendously topical today. We're talking about nuclear uh, weapons all over the world, China, Russia, Iran, uh, North Korea. It's a totally disaster. And uh, eventually all these weapons will be beaten into implements which will be, be beneficial to the world, not to destroy the world, but to create the world, to, uh, to reform the world and make the world a better place. But as Radishem, we will see this. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. The prophet Micha says, humankind will be preoccupied one in one pursuit, the study of godly wisdom. The earth shall be filled with knowledge of God as water covers the seabed. Isaiah chapter 11. So we have different prophecies we discussed already. But the idea is we're waiting for Mashiach because Mashiach will make the world a better place. The world will be a fantastic place to live. No more wars. All the money which was spent on weapons will be spent on medical knowledge to stop disease, to feed everybody, to have a society where instead of leisure being just uh, spent on movies and videos and theaters and cinemas and spent on knowledge of God. Sounds very boring, but it's pretty interesting. Knowledge of God is the deepest thing a person can acquire, uh, knowledge that, that uh, links the person to holy things, links the person to the worlds above. That's something which is very fascinating and interesting, and that's what the world will be engaged in when the Mashiach comes. Okay, so let's just discuss that. The Torah says there's a purpose to our world. This is very important. What is the Messianic era? It's the purpose of our world. So there's a, there's a, a thought process that says, you know, this world, is the world of temptations, this world's a physical world, but it's just, it's not the end in itself. This world is a mechanism that leads to another world. In other words, over here, you put in this world, our souls were put in this bodies, and the bodies are tested in this world. Those that pass the test will go on to the world to come. Okay, yes, that's part of Jewish belief as well. But to say this world is just a corridor, which the, uh, which the Mishnah says, is not entirely accurate because this world itself will be a place where we will get our reward as well in the Messianic era. So it'll be, there will also be a purpose for this world. It'll be a, uh, one of the purposes is of this world is to fix the world, if I can, or none, to fix the world under the kingship of God. So that's a very important. It's not just the world is just a mechanism to an end. It's not the world itself is important. This world itself is important. Hashem will dwell in this world as well. From the dawn of time, Hashem envisioned for himself a dwelling place right here on planet Earth. In the time of Moses, it was called a Mishkan. It was called a sanctuary, a sanctuary for God right here in this location on Earth. And eventually we turned into a temple, Berebitash. The temple was destroyed. Two temples were destroyed. There's three weeks where we mourn for the two destructions of the temples. And we wait for the third temple to come down. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. There's two different opinions. The opinion of Rashi and other sages that say Hashem will build the temple of the world above and will come down in fire. We won't have to do anything. We'll come down just by doing our spiritual deeds. We are actually building a temple in the world above and it will come down into this world in fire. The Rambam, however, says no. Mashiach's job will be to build the temple. Mashiach, a physical human being, born of physical parents, a direct descendant of King David, 
will come into this world, will be born into this world from physical parents, and eventually he will build, we're going to talk about, uh, we talked a little bit about this, about the conditions for being recognized as a Messiah, as a Mashiach. So Hashem wants this world as a sanctuary. He wants us to make this world into a sanctuary for him so that we and all humanity in this world will recognize Hashem's presence, recognize the master of the universe, will recognize the creator and the master of the universe. And uh, the curtain will be ripped apart and all human beings will perceive Hashem. And soon the day will come when Hashem's glory will be revealed in this realm, in this world, and we will enjoy the fruits of our millennia-long work, the end product of our labor of love. So as a culmination, the master plan is to see Hashem in this world, and that will be a messianic era. The belief in Mashiach has sustained our nation through thousands of years of exile, 2,000 years of exile, pogroms, expulsions, holocaust, persecutions, and our ancestors firmly believed in a better time to come. Until today, we believe that the world is going to get better. Mashiach will come. We live with optimism and trust. Even the dead will be resurrected one day. And today, finally, we stand at the threshold of redemption. We are really literally on the threshold of redemption. And all we need is one more good deed. If each one of us does one more good deed, this messianic era will be upon us. And I just want to go into, so far, recap a little bit of what we talked about last week uh, from chapter 10 of Rambam's, actually chapter 11 of Rambam's Mishnah Torah. Chapter 11 of Rambam's Mishnah Torah, where he discusses the laws of Mashiach, and he brings down a few conditions. I'm going to go through these conditions. Who is Mashiach? Number one, very important condition, a leader or a king who is a direct descendant from the male line of King David. He's going to be a direct descendant of the male line, of the female line. His father must be a descendant of King David, a male line of King David. And that's number one, direct descendant of King David. Number two, he will renew the Davidic line of kings. In other words, he'll be a king. He will renew this whole process of the kingdom of the sons of David. So the Davidic kingdom, which was in the tribe of Judah, started with 12 tribes under King David. First two and then 12, and then under Shlomo Melech King Solomon, that was the peak of the Commonwealth, 12 tribes, and then unfortunately under King Solomon's son Rehoboam, the 10 tribes, Northern Kingdom, um, moved away, they drifted apart, and they formed their own kingdom of Israel, the Northern Kingdom of Israel, and what was left were two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, probably a little bit of Shimon, and a little bit of Levi, obviously the Kohanim were Levim, parts of Levi, and uh, so that was left. But this Messiah will bring back this Davidic kingdom. Number three, Rambam says, you'll be observant of Hashem's commandments and learned in Torah. He'll be a rabbi, in other words. This Mashiach will not be a regular person, be a rabbi, a teacher, a learned person, a person who is involved with doing God's commandments and its fault. Number four, he will restore all the Torah laws as we had them in the time of King David, the laws that apply specifically to Israel, the Shemitah, the Yovel, and other laws of the Beit HaMikdash. Number five, he will renew the Jewish commitment. Do a lot of outreach. He's going to do a lot of outreach, bring back all the lost Jews, renew their commitment to God and to the Torah of Moses. 
So there's a lot of outreach. That's the job of Mashiach. Mashiach, one of Mashiach's job is to do outreach, bring back all our lost Jews, all the Jews that assimilated and uh, intermarried and their families and bring them all back to Judaism, all the Jews who claim not to be religious. It will bring them back. Mashiach's job will be to bring them back. Number six, which is pretty hard, he's going to be a general as well. Just like King David was a general, he will be the general of the army to fight the enemies of God. When Mashiach announces himself as Mashiach, don't worry, there'll be a lot of enemies who will try to get rid of the guy as soon as possible because he's going to ruin their plans for world domination. He's going to ruin their plans for uh, taking over and all their plans they have, other kinds of plans, uh, the anti-spiritual plans. He will fight the wars. He will be the general of the army to fight the wars. Number seven, he will rebuild the temple, the third temple. According to Ramah, we said Rashi says the temple will fall from the sky in a fiery, in a fiery outbreak. The Rambam says, no, the job of Mashiach is build a temple. So uh, number eight, he will gather the dispersed of Israel back to their land. He'll make Aliyah a priority. All the Jews from outside Israel will have to sell their homes and come back, maybe free flights back to Israel. This is their land, the homeland. The homeland for all the Jews around the world when Mashiach comes, that's his job to bring them all back to Israel. And, and that's number uh, eight. Number nine, Rambam says, he succeeds in the above. That is the proof that he is Mashiach. In other words, a guy comes on and says, I am the Messiah. Okay, fine. There's plenty of Messiahs. Plenty of false Messiahs who claim to be Messiahs. What do we say? We say, listen, we have a whole list of things for you to do. You have to, number one, prove you're from the Davidic line. Number two, you have to bring back the law of kings. Number three, you have to be observant of Jewish commandments and learn it in the Torah. Number four, you have to restore all the Torah laws in Israel. Number five, you have to renew the Jewish commitment to God and the Torah. You have to bring back all the Jews to the heritage. You have to do average. Number six, you have to be a general in the Israeli army. Number seven, you have to rebuild the temple. And number, number eight, bring back all the Jews to Israel. If you can do all those things, now we know you are Mashiach. Now you have proved your capabilities. Now we know you are the Messiah. The Ramah says we don't ask him for any signs or miracles or wonders. It's interesting. And the proof is from, uh, from Samuel, the prophet, who didn't ask, or sorry, from Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva did not ask Bar Kochva for signs and wonders to proclaim him Messiah. He didn't ask Bar Kokhba for any signs or miracles or wonders. He was just waiting for Bar Kokhba to see what he's up to. And when Bar Kokhba was killed before completing the task, all these tasks, he knew that he's not the Messiah. So uh, Ramam says, if he does all these things, he's not killed in the process, then we know for sure he's the Messiah. And then one of the last things he has to do is he has to motivate all the nations of the world to serve God. Imagine, so first he has to motivate all the Jews to serve God. That's hard enough. And then he's got to do even more than that. He's got to motivate all the nations of the world to serve one invisible, indivisible God. That's quite a feat. Quite a feat. So then he, that is Mashiach's job. And then peace on earth. He's got to make international peace what the United Nations have striven for uh, and found an impossible task. Mashiach, that's his job, make peace on earth. Rambam says he does not succeed in the above. 
or was killed, he is definitely not the redeemer promised by our Jewish Torah, by our law, by our code book. The code book given to us by Moses, if he is not successful in all these tasks, quite a job, it's quite a hard job to do, all these tasks, then if he's not successful, definitely not the Mashiach, not the Messiah that we're waiting for for all these years. And uh, we'll move on a little bit. So I just want to read this part again to you from the Rambam, straight from the Rambam. The Messianic king will arise in the future, restore the Davidic kingdom to its former state and original sovereignty. He will rebuild the temple, gather the dispersed of Israel. All the laws will be reinstituted in its days as they had been aforetimes. And the sabbatical years and the jubilee years will be observed fully as ordained by the Torah. Anyone who does not believe in Mashiach, who does not look forward to his coming, denies not only the teaching of the other prophets, but also the teaching of Torah and of Moses, our teacher. Okay, so I went through this a little bit last week. I'm going to go through it again. So there's proofs from the Torah, which the Rambam brings, that we believe the Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, already talks about the Mashiach. Okay, so let's move on to the next chapter, which is chapter 11, which was, sorry, sorry, chapter 12, which was censored by the Christians. Chapter 12 of the Rambam was censored, and I got a copy. This copy is uh, built up from the manuscripts which were in Yemen. The Rambam was very close to the Yemenite Jews. The Rambam was very close. He was in Egypt. They were in Yemen. They were suffering persecution by the Muslims at that time. They were being converted by the sword to Islam. The Rambam had the year of Salah al-Din. Salah al-Din uh, had a little bit of influence. And Salah al-Din told, and the vizier of Egypt also told, the ruler of Yemen to calm down, not to persecute the Jews. So the Jews of Yemen actually prayed for Rambam in the Kaddish. And when, they, when we asked, when we asked for the Mashiach, they added a line, ben Maimon. We want Mashiach in our days and everyone's days, and also the days of Rabbi Moshe ben Maimon. So they prayed for Mashiach to come, and because he helped them so much, he helped the Jews of Yemen so much, they actually prayed for Mashiach to come in his days. They added this line in the Kaddish. So when we pray for Mashiach, remember, they actually prayed for Mashiach to come. Unfortunately, their prayers were not answered. Mashiach hasn't come yet. And despite the big love of Rambam and their prayers, it didn't help much. But Bezrat Hashem, we will see, we are the fortunate generations who will see us. So Ali Ali Adam, this is the Rambam, which was censored by the Christians, which we found in manuscript forms and among the Yemenites and also in the Cairo Geniza, which uh, was part of the synagogue of the Rambam synagogue in Cairo, which is still standing today. And I think we have pictures. Michelle uh, Bracco sent out pictures. And it's also on this website, on this site, uh, with, uh, which we have. Okay, so if you look back in the history of the site, you'll see that there are pictures from uh, Egypt. And one of the, some of the pictures are the synagogue of the Rambam. And that's where the Geniza of the Rambam, we find all his manuscripts was. So this is from the manuscripts, the old manuscripts, which were not censored. Ali, ale, ale, ale. I'm going to read it to you word by word. A person should not think. Anything will change from the normal way of life. 
in the time of the Mashiach, nothing will change from the normal way of our existence. You'll need to eat, you'll need to drink, you'll need the bathroom, you'll need to go to work, you'll need to do this. All these things will continue. Or Yeshum Chidush don't think nature will change. Hopefully the global, global warming will not change. Hopefully nature will not change. Olam, the world will continue as it's been doing. Obviously new inventions, new technology, and the world will continue in that direction. Now he's quoting this famous verse from Isaiah the prophet, chapter 11, verse, verse 6. Kevis. A wolf will live with a lamb. And a leopard will live with a baby goat. The Rambam says over here, very important idea. He says, Mashal This is a parable. What does this mean? The wolf will live with the sheep and the leopard will live with the goat. The Jews were compared to the lamb. Everyone picks on us. Everyone thinks we're easy meat like a lamb. The nations of the world are compared to the wolves and want to eat us up, devour us, as they're still trying to devour us today. All these missiles, thousands of missiles, they try to devour us. Iran is trying to devour us. Uh, the, the Hezbollah is trying to devour us. The Houthis now want to devour us. And Hashem is protecting us. We are the lamb among the nations. He says, we are the lamb. Israel is the lamb and the nations are compared to the wolf and the leopard. So therefore, we will be able to live in peace with the nations of the world, that is the prediction of Isaiah. The lamb will live with the wolf, and the goat will live with the leopard. That's the prediction. There will be peace between us and the nations of the world. And Everyone will come back to the true faith in one God. One God. Everyone, everyone in the world will come back to faith in one God. The law is the law. People will not steal from each other. I'm talking about policing today. Um, and here's the vision. The leftists got it slightly wrong. We have to wait for Mashiach for this vision to come true where you can defund the police. First, people have to change before you defund the police. People have to change and people have to become law abiding without any policemen. That's the benefit of Mashiach's day. In the time of the Mashiach, people will change their habits, they'll change their morality, they'll change their ethics for the good. You won't need policemen. You won't need people looking over people's shoulders to see what they're up to. People will stop stealing. They will stop destroying things. So here we have a prediction, Rambam's prediction in the time of the Messiah. Nothing really will change in society, but people will change. People's morals, people's ethics will improve. There'll be no need for policemen watching people because people will stop by themselves robbing. Imagine leaving your front door open. I remember... Uh, the old timers would tell me when they were kids in uh, New Brunswick, they could leave their front doors open. Nothing would happen that night. Imagine leaving your front doors open. Well, that's the messianic prediction. You leave your front doors open. No one's going to steal. No one's going to come in. No one's going to attack. There'll be no destructive practices and no robbery. Everyone will eat things which are allowed for them with Israel. In other words, people will keep the laws of robbery and not stealing and not robbing. And everything will be moral and ethical together with Israel. Shemar, as it says, by That's what it means when Isaiah the prophet says in chapter 11, verse 7, that the lion will eat straw. That's what it means. The nations of the world compared to lions. We talked about this last week in Daniel's prophecy that uh, Rome was compared to, I don't know, there was no even any comparison. Babylon was compared to a lion. 
and the lion will eat straw, which means that it will be tame. The nations of the world will be tame, and they will get along with the Jewish people, they will get along with Israel, and the morality and the ethics will improve vastly until no one will need to lock their doors at night. Can you imagine? That's, that's a beautiful dream for the future. A lot of the things that the prophets said about Messiah are all parables, Ramon says. Don't take them literally. There's a big debate between the Rambam over here, the Maimonides, and the Ramban, who was Nachmanides, who lived maybe 60 years later after Rambam. Ramban says, take them literally. Really, literally, the lion will start eating straw. Yes, the sheep will live with the wolf. And the leopard will live with the goat. Yes, it will come true. That's uh, Ramban. Ramban says now. Don't take these verses literally. These are parables. The sheep are the Jewish people, Israel, and the lion and the, and the wolf and the leopard are representative of the nations of the world who want to rip us apart all the time. When the Messiah will come, we will understand these parables and we will understand exactly what the prophets were hinting to and talking about. So the only way we can Get, understand all these prophecies is when it through it actually happens. When it happens, then we can understand the prophecies. If it hasn't happened yet, obviously we haven't seen these prophecies come true. We don't entirely understand the prophecies. That's the opinion of Rambam. Anru Hakami, the Rambam continues. The rabbi said, our rabbi said in the Gemara in Brachot, page 34b, the rabbi said, the only difference between this world, which we're in now, the world, this world, the present world, the present historical world, and the time of the Messiah, is the only difference is Shibud The Jewish people will not be under the nations of the world. The Jewish people will be totally independent, not subservient to anyone. There'll be no anti-Semitism. This will be understood from the Pshutam, from the Pshat, from the simple explanation of what the Prophet said. We don't need proofs for this. This is a basic idea of the Messianic era, is there'll be peace in the world. The nations will not attack the Jews anymore. The Jews will not be under the thumb of other nations, under other empires. The Jews will be a free nation under the Mashiach. And don't think that the Mashiach has to do signs and miracles and wonders and make something new in the world that never existed before. Or the Mashiach will have to resurrect the dead. That's not his job. He does not have to do any of these things. As we we talked about last week, that Rabbi Akiva believed in Bar Kokhva without any signs and any wonders at all. We see the Mashiach does not have to do miracles to prove he's Mashiach, but he has to do, accomplish all these different physical things. Kibbutz Shnei Rag, if he was killed, for sure we know he is not the Mashiach. Okay, so that is the biggest proof that a person is not a Mashiach if he doesn't do these things. So here we have the categories, as I mentioned before. If a king arises from the house of David, studies Torah, does mitzvot, like his father David, like his father David. 
like the written law and the oral law. Many, many uh, explanations of the mitzvot are oral law, which I mentioned, the Mishnah and the Talmud. Yaakov called Israel and Lechba. Persuade all the Jewish people to walk in the ways of the Torah and do mitzvot. Ulchazek mitka. And strengthen their observance. And he will fight the wars of God. This is a proof that he is Mashiach. If he does these things and he is successful. And he will build the temple in its place. And we know why he says in its place. And he gathers the scattered of Israel. He is definitely the Mashiach. Sure, he can accomplish all this. He is definitely the Mashiach. And he will fix the whole world to serve God together. So we're going to be complete peace and harmony. All the nations of the world will serve God together. Whatever that means, which we're going to see. The, the ethical, the monotheists, the seven Noahide laws will be kept. The seven Noahide laws, which we have um, in our oral law, number one is to believe in one God. Number two is not to curse God. Number three is not to murder, not to steal. Number four is not to steal. Number five is not to have any immorality. Number six is to not to li- eat a limb from a living animal. And number seven is to have a system of a law courts, law and order in the country. So those are the seven Noachide laws, which every nation when Mashiach comes will be very careful about. They'll keep these ethics. And that's how the Mashiach will spread the knowledge of God in the world by all the nations keeping these seven universal code, universal code, Noachide code. And that's a very important ingredient of the Messiah's task. The Mashiach's task is to make peace in the world and uh, ethics and morality in the whole world. This is the prophet Safania in chapter 3, verse 9. I will turn all the nations into one language. They will all speak a clear language. They will all call out in the name of God. And they will serve God together. Well, hopefully that will be great. Imagine United Nations dedicated to the service of God. A United Nations dedicated to the service of morality and ethics. A United Nations dedicated to the seven Noahide laws. Not the fake United Nations that we have now, where the leaders of uh, ethical committees are the biggest uh, leaders of atrocities in the world. We have Iran and Syria on these committees, heading committees, that's even worse, UNWRA, all the other committees in charge of removing atrocities from the world, they're the ones in charge of it, imagine. They're, they're, they're the ones who are most uh, involved with these things, and they're the leaders, imagine. They're the heads of the committee, imagine. So it's a world which is upside down, and when the Mashiach comes, he'll turn the world the right way around. If, however, the Mashiach was not successful, or he was killed, for sure, he is not the one that Torah recommended and talked about. However, he is like, maybe like, if we're lucky, he'll be like another king of David who was not successful in these areas and was killed like uh, Yoshiao, Josiah the king who was a tzaddik and was killed by the Egyptians, or Hezekiah who died in his bed, but he, not, he, he was successful in many of these things. 
but not totally successful completely. So there's many kings uh, who were pious and righteous and did a lot of these different conditions, but they were not successful. So they're not considered the final Mashiach. They may be Mashiach, but not fine. They may be anointed ones because they're the kings of David, but they're not the final Mashiach, which we are predicting, which the Torah is predicting, who will make peace in the whole world. Okay, now we come to a very interesting part, which was this is the part that was censored by the Christians. And he talks about people who claim to be Mashiach. And they failed in their task. And they caused havoc. They caused havoc for us, the Jewish people. They were meant to save the Jewish people from the enemies. And instead, they caused pogroms. They caused Jews to be killed for no reason. And let's start. Okay, this part was censored. I have, this may be sensitive to certain people. If you are sensitive to it, don't be offended because I'm just reading to you what the book says. I'm not going to censor anything. This is important information people should know. This is Rambam, the Laws of Kings, chapter 11. Af Yeshu Hanotri, even Yeshua Hanotri, JC, Shedima Sheye Mashiach, that he pretended to be the Mashiach, when Herag, and he was killed. Fardi Nabe Bo Daniel. Daniel the prophet already prophesied about. This uh, individual, So Daniel the prophet says, The sons of the bold ones in your people will try and raise up a vision and they will fall. That vision will not last. Is Is there a bigger stumbling block than this? that all the prophets spoke about Mashiach redeeming Israel and saving them from the enemies, gathering up their scattered ones, and strengthening them its what? And this one, JC, caused the Jewish people to be destroyed by the sword, and scatter the remnants and lower the remnants. How much persecution was done by the church People don't remember today all the persecution, all the yellow patches that the Nazis made us wear. That was already part of church doctrine. Make the Jews wear strange hats, make them wear strange patches um, and scatter them. Do not provide them with, they're not allowed to do any regular employment. All they were allowed to do would be money changers and money lenders. And this way they would kill them even more. Now, Khalif Tatarah and this, this one, he changed our Torah. They changed our Torah from the Old Testament to the New Testament. They changed the whole Torah and they caused the world to make a mistake. To worship a God who is not the real God. JC is not the real God. There's no thing as a son of God. We're all children of God. No thing as one son of God. So it was a big trick. Caused a lot of trouble, a lot of persecution for the Jewish people. Where the Mashiach was meant to defend us and save us. It caused, it was the opposite. So definitely he is not our Mashiach. He's not our Messiah. Now this is a very interesting part of the Rambam where he actually says something good. So he's said all the bad already. Now he's going to say a little bit of good about those events that transpired. A human being cannot understand God's mind. This is a a very powerful Rambam over here. Human being cannot understand what God is intending. What is God up to by bringing this whole, all these events? 
Our ways are not his ways. You know, this is Moshe Rabbeinu asked God, you know, why are you doing this to my people? And Hashem says, you will see. Eventually, you will see. You will see what's going to happen, right? When, when Moshe goes to, so goes to Pharaoh the first time, Pharaoh causes more troubles for the Jewish people. And Moshe doesn't understand. He says, God, why have you caused more bad things for this nation? And Hashem says, now you will see what's going to happen. You're going to see the 10 plagues. You're going to see the coming out of Egypt. You're going to see my outstretched arm at the sea. You're going to see all these revelations. So people have their doubts, but Hashem has a plan. We have our doubts. We don't understand what's going on. He says, we don't understand all these events with JC and the havoc he caused in the world. But he says, obviously, Hashem has a plan. All these happenings with Yeshua Hanotri, and this one, the Ishmaelite, who doesn't mention by name, he was living in a Muslim country. Uh, he's asking for trouble if he said his name. So I'll leave it to your imagination. This one, the Ishmaelite, who was after him a couple of hundred years later, was uh, Ishmael. Muhammad came later, so it's Yeshu followed by Muhammad. Now it's interesting, Ramos says something really good about that. He says, these happenings Hashem intended to straighten the path. Wild, it's wild. It's a wild Rambam over here. Um, this is Rambam's own philosophy that everything that happens in the world, Gam Zula Tova, we all know Gam Zula Tova, this concept, everything will be for the best. He says, even though it looks very bad and it was very bad for the Jewish people, these two happenings, we were persecuted tremendously by both the Christians and the Muslims. Um, nevertheless, Hashem has a plan, and this plan is to straighten the path to the King Mashiach. Straighten the path to the King Mashiach. And the whole world will come closer to belief in God. They're definitely closer to belief in one God. To serve God together, as it says, He has a fochad amin I will turn all the nations to speak in a clear voice, to call out together in the name of God and to serve him together. Keta. So how is this? How does this history of Yeshua and Ishmaeli come to straighten the path to God? He says, the whole world today is full of words of Messiah, Mashiach. Christians talk about Messiah. They just believe he came already. If he came already, what did he do? He didn't really achieve much because there's no peace on earth for 2,000 years since his coming. And not only that, but he died before he achieved anything. So they invented what's called the second coming to, to fix what he didn't do the first time. So it's interesting. We're blamed by the Christians for killing JC. Number one was we didn't kill him. We had no power to kill at that time. Under the Romans... The Romans were the ones who had life and death powers. The Jewish Sanhedrin had no powers of life and death. They had left already the Hall of Hewn Stones. They couldn't kill anyone. So the, the number one is the Romans killed him. Number two is they say he died. He was killed for their sins. So if he was killed for their sins, they should be happy. He died for their sins. And therefore, a person today does not have any sins. They don't have any sins. All they have to do is believe in him and they're cleared of their sins. No problem. So if uh, he died for their sins, they should be happy. Number three is they say he was resurrected, in which case he wasn't killed in the first place. Number four is they say he was God. If he was God, how can you kill God? It's all unbelievable contradictions. 
this story is a totally unbelievable. But the good things that came out of it, his Rambam says, is the, the whole world is full of visions of Mashiach. People now, today, around the world know this concept of Messiah, the concept of belief in God, it's, uh, which was spread by missionaries to the most unbelievable places at great risk to their lives. A lot of missionaries were killed by these old tribes uh, in different places. Uh, so they did spread the word of God in a sense around. And they did spread this word of Mashiach who was coming around the world. The same similarly with the Muslims. They did spread this kind of concept of one God and the concept of this Messiah. They don't call him Messiah. They call him Mahdi who's going to come and fix the world. But their concept of fixing the world is totally different than our concepts. Their concepts of fixing the world is to take over the world, to dominate the world, as we're going to come to that. Mashiach's job is not to dominate the world, to conquer the world. Mashiach's job is persuasive. Persuade the world not to become Jewish. We don't want everyone to become Jewish. It's not normal for everyone to become Jewish. We want everyone to believe in seven Noahide laws, to be ethical, moral, monotheist. To be ethical and moral monotheist. You don't have to be Muslim, you don't have to be Christian, you don't have to be Jewish. Just a Noahide ethical monotheism. That is the key, that is the Messiah's job to persuade the world to walk in that path. So what, the, what was achieved by Yeshua and the Ishmaeli? He says, Pashtu dvarim elu, Mashiach. These, the idea, the concepts of Mashiach, the concepts of Torah, the concepts of mitzvot were spread around the world to the most further parts, to nations who were uncircumcised. And they are discussing these things. The mitzvah of the Torah spread into all these. You know, I remember when I used to go to hotels in America, they had the Gidon Bible in every single hotel room. I don't know if it's still around. The Gidon Bible, obviously, was part, it was partly Old Testament, partly New Testament. But can you imagine it spread in every single hotel room? If you have nothing in those days without the videos and TVs or whatever, you have nothing to do at night. You were bored. You take out the Gidon Bible and look at it, at least glance through it. This way, a person gets a concept of what the Bible's all about. It's amazing. So that was achieved by. These two nations, these uh, Nazrim, Yeshua, and Ishmaeli, at least something good came out of it. The people are coming closer to this concept of God, closer to the concept of mitzvot, of commandments, closer to the concept of serving God, closer to the concept of Messiah. So then he says, some people say these things are hidden matters, and no one knows what's happening. And the Mashiach already came, and he revealed all these hidden matters. However, his says, this is not true. And, um, and then he has a very important portion that was not censored. And I want to read it to you. It's, this is really the clincher. This is really the final grand finale of the Rambam in chapter 12 of the Laws of Kings in Halacha number 3. In the days of the King Messiah, when he is solid on his throne, with Kapsu Elav Kol Israel, and all the Jews are gathered to him. He will tell everyone which tribe they come from. First, he'll say who is a Levi and who is a Kohen. That's very important. And he will push aside those who are not proper Jews. It rushed them, it rushed out of him. With the Holy Spirit, he will come along and say, 
which tribe everyone is, and who we're from, and who is Jewish and who is not Jewish. Okay. But he won't say who is a non-kosher and who is kosher. In other words, he won't say who is a mamzer and who is not a mamzer. As, uh, unfortunately, we have uh, within us uh, some people whose parents did not get married properly, or there were second marriages, and the first marriage was not dissolved with a get. And therefore, the product of that marriage is a mamzer. Mashiach's job will not to tell us who is a mamzer or not. That's interesting. It's mamzerim, as long as they're not recognizable as mamzerim, will continue as being kosher Jews. He will just tell people what tribe. But it could be that two brothers will find themselves to be in different tribes. How? Because they're two separate fathers. So, so it'll be known through a different mechanism. Anyway, so it's very important. Mashiach will come and tell us what's the tribes. Now, why did the rabbis, why did the Jewish people wait for this Mashiach so much? Why did we desire this? So this is a very important Rambam, very fundamental Rambam. Not because we want to take vengeance on the world. Can you imagine all the pogroms, all the uh, Holocaust, all this? You think that Jews would have a desire for vengeance. Let's kill them all. Let's wipe them out. A couple of atom bombs here, atom bombs there. Let's destroy the world. No, we don't want Mashiach to destroy the world. We don't want Mashiach to take vengeance on anyone. We don't want to conquer the world and, and take control and dominate the world. We don't want people to serve us by force. No. We don't want the nations to raise us up and worship us and, and give us honor and, and glory. Not to have parties and enjoy. This amazing concept. We want the Messiah to come so that we will be free to study our Torah and keep our mitzvot with freedom. We want freedom of religion. Now, unfortunately, for many years, hundreds of years, Jews have wanted freedom of religion. And the biggest irony is when we got freedom of religion, we wanted freedom from religion. That's the biggest irony. We got freedom of religion and we want freedom from religion. No, we really truly desire Messiah. Why? We don't want any pogroms. We don't want any persecutions. We don't want to be under the thumb of other people. So we'll be free to study our Torah and keep God's commandments. That is the key. That is the main thrust of this wish for Messiah. The main thrust of mission of Messiah. We want freedom of religion so we could serve our God in peace and tranquility and security. Amen. We don't. We won't have any taskmasters. We won't have anyone to disturb us. And the reason why we want to learn the Torah and do mitzvot is kadesh is to get to the world to come. As we already talked about in the laws of repentance, we have to discuss this before Rosh Hashanah. Um, that time, in the Messiah, the Messianic period, there'll be no famines. There'll be no more wars. No more jealousy, no more competition. There'll be a lot of goodness in the world. All the economies will be flourishing. Plenty of everything all around the world. There'll be no more poor and rich. Everyone will be wealthy. Tremendous beneficence in the world. All the pleasures of the world will be available like dust. What does that mean? That means... The supermarkets will be overflowing and the prices will be very low. 
הלוואי, ספידלי נאדייס. ולא יהיה עשה כל העולם, אלא דעת השם בלבד. And the main industry of the whole world will be, everything will be so plentiful, they won't have to go to work. The main industry of the world will be knowledge of God. Wow. Imagine, knowledge of God probably means learning Kabbalah, because that's where the true knowledge of God is. At that time, the Jewish people will be tremendous wise people. Yodim, Dvarim, Mastumim, and will know things which are hidden. Yasigu, Dad, Boram, and they will acquire the knowledge of their God. To the maximum potential of every single human being. Shneemar, Ki Malach Ha'aretz De'a, Et Hashem. The world is full of knowledge of God. Kemayim, Le'yam, Nechassim, like water fills up the seas. This is an amazing prediction of the Rambam, of the Messianic era, and we will see this fantastic era of plenty of bounty, no more wars, no more bloodshed, no more avarice, no more jealousy, no more anti-Semitism. These, especially in our days, all of us will enjoy and bask in the glory of Hashem and, and study about Hashem, study about spirituality, become spiritual beings in this planet, eating, drinking, and other things, all physical things will continue as they are in the Mashiach. We'll just have peace on earth to be able to fulfill our spiritual goals. So I want to wish you all a Shabbat Shalom. And remember, Shabbat is Me'en Olam Abba, which is a whole different topic. What is Olam Abba? What is the world to come? What is the difference between this world and the world to come? Thank you all for coming. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.